This sermon was recorded at Highway Mountain View in Mountain View, California. If you'd like to find out more about Highway Community, you can head to www.highway.org. Good morning, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. And uh, thank you for being with us today on this holiday weekend. It is really great to see all of you. Well, as hard as it might be to believe, given the fact that Thanksgiving was just on Thursday, this morning is actually December 1st, which means that it is also uh, the first Sunday of Advent. We are entering into the Advent season this morning, which is a season that not only reminds us of Jesus' coming as the long-anticipated Savior that had been promised by the prophets, but the Advent season also reminds us that in very much the same way that the Israelites had been waiting at the time of Jesus' birth. As we come to Advent, we are waiting as well, waiting with anticipation for Jesus' return and for God's kingdom, which is here now in part, to come in full. Now, one of the ways that the Israelites sustained themselves in the midst of their waiting was through the words of the scriptures. Words that reminded them that one day God would indeed send a savior to deliver them. And one of those scriptures that sustained them is the vision of hope that is pronounced in Isaiah chapter 9. And so this morning, we are going to enter into this Advent season by considering Jesus' coming through the lens of Isaiah's vision of the great light that had come into the deep darkness. And to do that, we're going to structure our time together around four different passages that will help us consider Jesus as the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. We'll begin each segment with a scripture reading. Then there will be a short reflection on the text. And then we'll sing a song together that helps us further reflect and respond. And then, um, on either side of the room, over here to my right, and then over there to the left behind the seats, you will also find some Advent coloring posters as well. This one over here has already been found, which is fantastic. Uh, and at any point, at any point during our time together this morning, uh, you're welcome to make your way over and participate in this community art project for as long or as short as you would like. Everyone of every age is invited to participate uh, in these Advent coloring posters, and so as we are involved in our time together this morning, please do feel free at any point to get up and move about the cabin. And through all of that, uh, we'll hopefully this morning create some space for the spirit to meet us, uh, both individually and as a community. And we're going to start uh, by hearing some of those words from Isaiah chapter 9, after which we will join Christ followers around the world in the lighting of the first candle of Advent. Uh, the prophet's candle, as we continue this morning to hope for the coming of our long-expected Savior, Jesus. There's probably no more fitting word to describe the incarnation, no more fitting word to describe God coming into the world in human form than wonderful. Everything about Jesus' coming is full of wonder. From his journey from heaven to earth to his fully divine yet fully human nature 
to the circumstances surrounding his birth. And through all of that wonder, God shows us the very nature of love. 1 John 4.9 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. Jesus is our wonderful counselor because through his coming to earth, he shows us the nature of God's love. God's sending of his one and only son into the world reveals that his love is active. God's love initiates and manifests itself in action. The sending of Jesus also reveals that God's love is undeserved. 1 John 4.10 proclaims, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Jesus' coming reminds us that God's love is not predicated on us loving him and then somehow earning or deserving his love. Instead, the very core of love is that God loved us first. His love for us is undeserved. Jesus' coming also shows us that God's love is sacrificial. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is our wonderful counselor because through his coming, he shows us the active, undeserved, and sacrificial love of God. 1 John 4 also says that since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. Jesus is our wonderful counselor because through his life on earth, he shows us the manner in which we are to do that. Jesus shows us how to love others through the compassion he demonstrates for the least of these, the blind, the lame, the lepers, and the demon-possessed. He shows us how to love others through the mercy he shows to the outcast and the marginalized, people like the Samaritan woman at the well, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, and the woman caught in adultery. He shows us how to love others through the dignity he extends to Levi and the other tax collectors and sinners with whom he dined. And it's in loving others that the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God that is seen in the coming of Jesus continues to be shown both in and through our lives. If we love one another, John says, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. As we enter into Advent, May we open our eyes to the wonder of God's love that has been shown to us through Jesus. Within those poetic words that were just read for us resides one of the great mysteries of Jesus' coming. Jesus was in very nature God, meaning that all who God is his omnipotence, his sovereignty, his holiness, his eternity, his wisdom, his justice, all the fullness of God's nature 
is in Jesus. And yet, Philippians 2.6 says that despite all this, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, Jesus set aside his divine nature and made himself nothing. He relinquished his rights, he relinquished his power, and he relinquished his authority. Jesus emptied himself. He poured out his divine glory and took the very nature of a servant. But the, f- <clears throat> but the fact that Jesus took the nature of a servant importantly reveals that he did not exchange his divinity when he came to earth. Jesus did not cease being God. Instead, he added something. He took on servanthood. Jesus laid aside his outward glory without laying aside his deity and became human likeness. He became God in human flesh and made his dwelling among us. Theologians call this the condescension of Christ in reference both to the distance that Jesus traveled and the sacrifice he made in order to enter into humanity. And through that journey, Jesus shows us in a a completely new dimension to the title Mighty God. He shows us the might and the power and the greatness of humble service, which he would later be even more profoundly demonstrated in his journey to the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, and that at that name every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Praise to the Lord. Let all that is in us adore him. And that light was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who comes, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Those first three words of John's story of Jesus' life in the beginning are intentionally meant to take us all the way back, all the way back to the beginning of Scripture, all the way back to Genesis 1-1, where we read, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as God was about his work of bringing order and function to the chaos of what Genesis calls the formless and empty, as he was about his work of announcing and commanding and separating and naming things, light and darkness, day and night, sea and sky and land, plants and animals, humankind. Jesus was present 
He was with God in the beginning. And so much so that John 1.3 says that through him all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus is our everlasting Father. And by coming to earth and dwelling among us, he has made the glory of the creator of the universe visible. The love and the kindness and the compassion and the mercy and the forgiveness and the grace of our Father everlasting, the all-created one, are all seen in the person of Jesus. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and he will be called Prince of Peace. Jesus came to bring peace. The word that's translated into English as peace in Isaiah 9 is the great Hebrew word shalom. And what makes shalom unique is its distinctly social nature. Shalom does not mean, does not just simply describe peace in the sense of welfare or tranquility or the absence of hostility. It also describes peace in terms of restored relationships. Jesus came to restore. He came to restore all of the relational brokenness that resulted from Adam and his wife, succumbing to the serpent's temptation to the, in the Garden of Eden. Our broken relationship with God. Our broken relationship with others. And our broken relationship with ourselves. Paul writes in Colossians that through Jesus, God was pleased to reconcile all things to himself and that the peace of that reconciliation would come through Jesus' blood shed on the cross. Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus gave his life. He gave his very self. So that we can experience peace. He gave himself 
so that we can experience peace in our relationship with God, so that we can experience peace in our relationship with others, and so that the peace of the presence of God's kingdom can be evidenced in this world as God continues his work of reconciling all things to himself. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation.